dive in to an ocean of possibilities with the DKM program of the American Council of the Blind. Get connected and build a strong leadership foundation. Apply to become a 2024 recipient of the Durward K. McDaniel First Timers Award. Get curious, explore, become engaged, and focus on making impactful contributions. Apply to become a 2024 ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. If selected, you'll be sponsored to attend the ACB Conference and Convention and learn how to navigate the waves of leadership from mentors and leaders of ACB. Don't delay. Apply today. For more information and to complete the application, visit www.acb.org slash DKM. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, good evening or good morning, wherever you're coming from. Uh, this is Claire Stanley, the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs at ACB in the National Office. I'm really excited to be here with you either tonight if you're listening live or whenever else you're listening to this um, when it's podcasted to talk about one of our imperatives that we will be discussing at the DC Leadership Conference on March 4th and then going up to Capitol Hill to advocate for on March 5th. Um, hopefully many of you have tuned in to, to prior um, imperative community call imperatives we had last week. We have one more this week. Um, and again, if you haven't um, been able to attend all of them or any combination thereof, they're all being podcasted. You can go back and listen to them um, as a precursor to the leadership conference on March 4th at the legislative seminar when we will review all of these issues again. So we're hoping to give many opportunities to learn about these important topics that we're advocating for on Capitol Hill. Um, there are many of the issues we're discussing are issues we've been advocating for several years now because they're important to the blind and low vision community. And uh, Swatha Nandu Kumar and myself are excited to be able to provide some information and background on these. So you guys are all well prepared to go up to Capitol Hill and be able to advocate for these issues. Um, so tonight I am talking about a bill that I think many of us are familiar with. Um, it's been introduced in two congressional sessions, but it is the Website and Software Applications Accessibility Act. Um, quite a long name, but basically what it's all about is making sure that websites and applications are accessible for those of us who are blind or low vision. And I feel like I could turn this over to any member of ACV to talk about the first part of this, because we all know as people who use screen reading software, magnification software, um, all kinds of different forms of AT, um, oftentimes websites or applications are not coded properly to interact with our assistive technology. And as a result, we have a really difficult time accessing all kinds of websites and applications, whether it be you know, online businesses, uh, school programs, uh, anything you might have to um, access within your community to participate in programs, um, you name it, everything now is uh, is done online. 
uh, COVID-19, the COVID-19 pandemic really illustrated this. Of course, this issue had been going on um, for a long time prior, but COVID-19 really amplified it because suddenly we were doing a lot more things at home. Uh, Students, whether they were in K-12 or college, were doing school online, and it really showed that, wow, websites and applications really are often inaccessible to those of us who use AT um, and have different disabilities. And so um, it's something that the American Council of the Blind has been working on advocating for for a very long time. And we are part of a coalition of several organizations who have been advocating for the introduction of this legislation. Um, The kind of core group that's been working on this in coalition are ACB, uh, the National Federation of the Blind, the American Foundation for the Blind, and the National Disability Rights Network. So it's a great collaboration we've been working on. And it was finally introduced for the first time in the 117th Congress. So we're now in the 118th. So this was the prior Congress. Um, And when we got it introduced, it was the most exciting thing because it had been a long time coming. Um, But it's been reintroduced again in the current congressional uh, session. So we're now in the 118th session. And so it was introduced back in September of 2023. Um, it has what we call bipartisan and bicameral support. So bicameral, meaning it's been introduced in both the House of Representatives and the Senate, which is important, right? Because, you know, we all know our schoolhouse rock song in order for a bill to become a law, it has to go through both sides of Congress. So the fact that it's been introduced in both sides is really important because it's already chugging along where it needs to go. And also, just as important, it has bipartisan support. You know, we unfortunately live in a very polarized partisan um, world right now. And so the fact that we have both Democratic and Republican support for this bill is really exciting. Um, So it was introduced initially by Senator Duckworth out of the state of Illinois. She's a big, um, big uh, fighter for those um, with disabilities. She has a disability herself. And so she was kind of the lead behind it. Um, she's a Democrat, but then on the House side, it was introduced by Representative Sarbanes out of the state of Maryland, where I live, um, who is a Democrat. But then in this session, we also got it introduced by Pete Sessions, who is a Republican. So again, just really exciting to see that we have that bipartisan support, which we're hoping to see will pop up soon in the, the Senate as well. So for when you guys are up on Capitol Hill on March 5th, please be advocating Um, Of course, to all of your senators and uh, representatives, but especially to the Republican offices as we try to get more bipartisan support. Um, So I'll jump in and I'll talk a little bit about what the bill does. So obviously, in the most simple form, it's advocating for the accessibility of websites and applications. One thing, though, that we want to stress is that it's not what we often use the term opening up the ADA, meaning we're not amending the ADA. We're not doing anything new to it. This is something that works more in parallel. Um, In fact, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, this is already legally required. A lot of you are probably going, wait, I thought that was already a thing. It is. Under the Americans with Disabilities Act, websites are supposed to be accessible. Um, But there's a couple things there. The ADA was passed in 1990. So websites they just weren't what they are now. And so even though the Department of Justice on multiple occasions has put out written statements saying, no, websites are covered, it just was a different era. And so it's been a, a harder harder thing to, to, to tackle. The uh, 
Department of Justice that oversees a lot of the ADA rights has been promising to put out what we call regulations that would basically explain the, the specific regulations on how to make websites successful. They've been talking about it for a long time, especially back in the Obama administration, but un- unfortunately it just never happened. It never came to fruition. So we've been, we, meaning the disability community and ACB, we've been advocating for these to come out for a long time. And actually just this past year in the summer of 2023, the Department of Justice did start the process to what we call promulgate regulations, but only for Title II entities. And so for those of you who don't know um, the ADA, Title II is anything with local or state governments. And so fingers and toes crossed, we're supposed to get these regulations soon. Um, They're supposed to come out hopefully literally any day. So maybe come the legislative seminar, we'll have something to report back. So that was a a huge step in the right direction. So you're probably saying, well, okay, if we're going to have these regulations, why are we still advocating for this legislation? Well, one, it hasn't happened yet. So we want to cover all of our bases. And two, it's only Title II entities right now. Um, So Title III entities, which are commercial businesses, stores, movie theaters, entertainment, insert many things here those still won't have regulations. And so we're going to continue to advocate for that. Um, And even even with the new title to um, promulgated regulations, uh, we're still going to advocate for this legislation because it also calls for a couple of additional things um, that go above and beyond that we're advocating for to make sure that websites do remain accessible. Um, So let's jump into a couple of other things. Um, So what will this bill do? This bill will create what we call a functional definition of accessibility. And kind of in layman's terms, this just means that technology is changing. So, you know, we can define in the bill today what we want accessibility to mean. But tomorrow, somebody could create some new monster, amazing computer that does something that we never could have even imagined. So like I said, when the ADA was passed in 1990, we didn't even know what the internet would be like, what websites would be like. So the intent of this bill is to create a functional definition. So hopefully, knock on wood, um, that'll um, prevent this kind of problem from happening by kind of being uh, looking forward and having an evergreen definition. Uh, We can make sure that accessibility continues on even when technology evolves as it will undoubtedly do. Um, which is both exciting and a little scary, in my opinion, to see where technology might go. Um, a couple other things that the bill does, it reading in my notes, it'll create an advisory committee to help um, with the development of this, of these different uh, regulations. Um, both the Department of Justice and EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, will, they be, will be the agencies, the federal agencies charged with coming up with these regulations. Um, and, and, sorry, I'm reading my notes. I'm all over the place. And there will also be um, a component where they can provide for research for new technologies emerging. So kind of going along with that advisory committee. Um, or excuse me, with that functional definition component. Um, and lastly, there will also be a technical assistance provider. So technical, or assess- technical assistance or TA provisions is often a helpful thing when we're talking about new regulations because people aren't going to know how exactly to carry this out. 
So if we have technical assistance or TA, that'll be really helpful. Um, so these will be on the imperative one pagers that we pass out. But just so you're in the know, it's Senate Bill 2984. And H for the House, it's HR 5813. Um, I did want um, to bring this up because this is helpful background. Um, in Congress, when a bill is going through the process, like I said, going back to schoolhouse rock, when it's chugging along to become a bill, it has to go through a designated committee or sometimes multiple committees um, uh, that are kind of topic based. And so it's important to know what committee the bill is going before. And for everybody's um, purpose here today, if you're going um, on March 5th to advocate for these, knowing what committees these bills are before is really helpful because if you happen to be um, a, a, a constituent of one of those um, chairpersons, the people who lead or are on those committees, if you're one of their constituents, you can really pipe up and say, hey, you know, you're the chairperson or an active member of this committee and you're also my representative or senator. Can you play, pay close attention to this? Um, or it's just a helpful, helpful thing to know. So for the House of Representatives, this bill is going before two committees. It's the Education and Workforce Committee, as well as the Judiciary Committee. And so I didn't look up all the members of the committees because that's a lot of people, but a quick basic Google search will find that for you. But just as an idea, the chairwoman of the Education and Workforce Committee is Virginia Fox from the state of North Carolina. So if you're from North Carolina, that's an important thing to know. Um, on the Senate side, it's going before what we call the Health Committee. That's Health, Education, Labor, and Pension. That's why we say HELP for short, because it's a long title. Um, and the chairman of that committee is Bernie Sanders from Vermont. So again, if you're a Vermont constituent, a really helpful thing to know. Um, and then one last component before I'll open it up for questions that I wanted to bring up. There's two other, com two other kind of parts of the bill that I think are really important to talk about as we advocate for what the bill will and will not look like. Um, there's often this component that people like to throw into bills that have to do with website accessibility and it's called notice and cure. And it means before a, an entity has to make their website accessible, we, the user, have to knock on the door virtually, quote unquote, and say, hey, your website's not accessible. And they're not liable to have to do anything or be potentially, you know, found liable for it until we bring it to their notice and then they get an extended amount of time to fix it. Um, this is called noticing cure. We are very much so advocating to um, not allow that into this because it has been proposed in other forms of legislation about website accessibility. And then one last component, um, we don't have too much detail on it because it's getting a little too in the weeds. So we don't have a lot of detail on the imperative sheet, but I just think it's an interesting fact to bring up. It has to do with the liability of who is at fault for the um, the website's access issues. And of course, anybody, we, we would say anybody who uses the website or has created the website is at fault. But I think this bill is interesting because it looks a little bit deeper at who even the first creator was. Because right now, say I go into, I go on the website of a tiny little mom and pa store and it's not accessible and they don't have a lot of money. 
chances are they bought their website from some third party dealer and they had almost no part in designing the website. Right now under the ADA, they would be liable, which again is still their responsibility because they chose that website. But I think most of us would say, but they're not the ones who designed it. They're a little ma and pa. So this bill also looks at, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Who was the much bigger entity probably who designed that website Then that is then sold as like a third party dealer for the website. So Again, a little bit more in the weeds, but I think it's just an important component to really look at who should be held accountable for the lack of access to websites um, and making sure that we um, make them accessible for all users. Um, so I feel like I rambled on a lot, but that's just some of the components. That's what the bill is about. Those are the committees. Those are the sponsors. Um, and what it covers. So if there are any questions please raise your hand and we can answer those. So far, there are no questions. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more and please raise your hand um, as, as I talk because we definitely want to get generated questions. Um, when you guys go and talk on uh, Capitol Hill, whether you're doing it virtually or if you're doing it in person, both of which are great, what's really helpful when we advocate for legislation like this website bill is giving firsthand experience of uh, why the bill is so important to our, our community. And so giving real life experiences means so much. I always say it's one thing for those of us who are lobbyists to go and say, you know, please introduce this bill or, you know, move this bill forward. But it means so much more when people can give their personal experiences. Um, so say, for instance, during COVID, you were taking a class that was suddenly all online and you couldn't access your class materials. Share that story. Say there was a business that you really wanted to buy a product from and you tried to go on their website and it was inaccessible. Share that story, things like that are just so helpful. So um, we really encourage everybody to, um, you know, give those those firsthand experiences. We definitely want you to know the, the ins and outs of the bill. Um, and that's why we do these. But really, at the end of the day, I think what's most important from the constituents is just being able to give a real lived experience to uh, what these issues are all about and why we are working to um reintroduce or move these bills along and hopefully eventually get them passed. All right, we do have one hand now. Awesome. Jamaica, you may unmute. Jamaica, you're still muted. I know some people have been having trouble muting and unmuting. If you cannot unmute Jamaica, Jamaica go ahead and come leave and come back, and maybe you can unmute then. Meanwhile, we'll move, we'll move on to Kenneth. Good evening, and thanks, Claire, for all you do for ACB. And uh, one thing, one question I had about uh, when we uh, this is my first time. I know it's probably been there before. We've, we're adding the deaf blind in. Uh, do you uh, know of some of our members who are considered deaf blind? Do I know per people like specifically or? Yes. Um, 
I I don't know slash I don't want to call people out obviously because no, 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 I won't you ask know, you to do that. I'm just asking. Yeah. You, I was only asking. Do you know of some people within ACB that are considered deaf blind? Gotcha. Okay, just want to make sure. Yeah, and I don't know if you know of the affiliate uh, Sassy Sight and Sound Impaired. Um, that committee. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So that yeah, but see, I'm a part of I'm a part of that because like. I am, I have, I'm deaf in one ear and, gotcha. and I'm legally uh, blind, but I, I was just wondering, some people are, are severe, severely, uh, mm-hmm, they have severe mm-hmm. vision loss and uh, hearing loss and they, they are totally deaf, totally blind. That's For what sure. I was kind of wondering about, gotcha. uh, but I haven't met anybody. Yeah. So I was just wondering, but on, beyond gotcha. that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this is one of our, um, uh, key, uh, imperatives that I know that we've been working on for a while, and we all have actually cried out for uh, accessibility when going to different website and websites. And some companies haven't actually, you know, budged. So uh, I'm glad we're keeping this one again and going being 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 able to go back to our legislators and tell them how important that it is and is how many that it's affecting so many people. Do you have any general number? Uh, that we would want to use if we say uh, they give a general number that it may this may be impacting uh, the inaccessibility may be impacting. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't have a number off the top of my head, but I'm happy to do some research and and provide that at the legislative seminar. I mean, arguably, we always talk about the fact that. Um, you know, it impacts people with all disabilities. So obviously we're advocating for the blind and low vision community, um, which I actually don't have a number off the top of my head, which is embarrassing. I will find that out. Um, but if you count <laughs> the blind and low vision, but then we also talk about people with um, intellectual disabilities. We talk about mm-hmm. people with physical disabilities, um, deaf and hard of hearing, because, and I can expand on those um, access issues if you'd like. But I mean, they say one out of every five Americans has a disability. So mm-hmm. if, mm-hmm. you know, those if all of those disabilities have some kind of access issue to a website access, that's a pretty big number. You know, that's 20 yeah. percent of the population. So, yeah, so yeah. that would be a good talking point. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Yep. OK, of course. Thank you. All right. Next up, we have Starry. Hello. You said we could advocate virtually. How do we do that? Absolutely. Um, so I would work with your state affiliate. Um, but ever since COVID, um, because we had to meet virtually, right, we weren't able to meet in person. Uh, congressional offices have gotten really comfortable and very willing to set up meetings. And just like we're doing now, you usually would use a Zoom um, account. And just like your affiliate would do um, reaching out to the offices to schedule um, in-person meetings, you would literally do the same thing. You would reach out to the staffer and say, hi, we're from, you know, whatever affiliate with ACB, we'd like to talk to you. Um, but instead of saying in-person, you would just say via Zoom. Um, so I'd get connected with your state affiliate and find out what they're doing. Um, if if for whatever reason that's not working out, feel free to reach out to us at the national office. Um, but like I said, because of COVID, people have gotten so comfortable with meeting uh, via Zoom, they would be very, very willing, I'm sure, without a doubt. So it's definitely a great option to use. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, Nona, you may go ahead. I'm you. Uh, th- thank you. Um, uh, welcome back, Claire, by the way. Um, 
I, I, could you explain the process a little bit uh, um, regarding uh, the different committees? So this this piece of legislation is, will go between, you know, before two committees. Is there a particular order of which one will hear it, will, you know, will, you know, take it up first? And is there a different way, I guess, um, of communicating or or having a conversation with uh, members on the judiciary and the ways and means versus a committee that is specifically, you know, uh, has that one particular piece of legislation in, in front of them. I was just, this process is a little confusing for me. So I was just wondering if you could educate no, those, us a little bit. Those are really great questions. And I love that you're thinking about them. Um, to my knowledge, there is no, um, kind of trajectory of which committee it goes to first versus second. I think it could just get plopped down on their hypothetical desk and see who, who gets at it first. Um, so we'll see. Um, yeah. So that, that's kind of the process there. And then I'm sorry, can you repeat your second question? Yeah. I was just wondering, um, is there a different way of approaching um, a particular legislator, mm -hmm. um, you know, versus, you know, um, on a, on the committee for that particular item versus the judiciary and the ways and means, I feel like, you know, maybe they'll be hearing several of them. And whereas, a, you know, a committee is just maybe, you know, just dealing with one of the issues. I just didn't know if there was a, a different way of approaching them and, you know, when contacting. No, I don't think so. I think when you approach a committee, whether it be one of the more, quote-unquote robust or more specific there I don't think there's any different way um what I would thought you were going to ask um and tell me if this is totally not what you were thinking of you can often approach a committee you can either approach the committee or you can approach your members um quote-unquote home office um that's not the committee office which is really confusing so for instance when you call up the switchboard there's a one eight uh a 202 number, actually, there's a switchboard number. And you could say, you know, my Congress member is Joe Schmo. Can I talk to his office? Or you can call up the switchboard and say, I want to talk to the Senate Health Committee. When it comes to scheduling meetings that way, I think you can honestly do either. I don't think one would be, quote unquote, better or worse, because as long as your um, representative if you're talking to his or her home office versus, or I, home office isn't the right word because that's back in the state, but you know what I mean? Their, their individual office versus the committee office, either way you're getting to them. So I don't think there's really a right or wrong um, in that respect either. The only benefit benefits sometimes to speaking to a committee office is you might be speaking directly to the staffer who's more likely to work on it versus just the actual office. Um, but they're so great about relaying messages back and forth to each other um, that I wouldn't let the 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 anxiousness of trying to meet with the committee over the just the typical office, you know, stress you out, if that makes sense. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Claire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Jamaica, I noticed you came back. Are you able to unmute? Oh, no, Jamaica. <laughs> No, she's still muted. All right, Sheila. Hi, Claire. Hi, Travis. Hey, Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Um, hey, my question is, when you're talking about website accessibility, how, I don't even know really how to ask this question, but 
these captchas that are so mm-hmm. not accessible mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is this something that we need to stress to anybody that we speak with that i mean i have gone on to so many websites and i get to that captcha and the audio part is not even understandable and yep. i can't enter anything and i can't go any farther so no, I think that's a perfect example. Like I was saying, you know, give your own lived experiences. And I think that's a perfect lived experience. Um, because even though they say it's quote unquote accessible with the audio um, options these days, which m- many places don't even have those, but even those that do have them now, those aren't fully accessible. Um, and like was brought up earlier by Kenneth, we want to advocate for the deafblind community. So obviously that's makes it completely inaccessible. So no, I think that's a perfect example. Um, you know, it's it, as many real life lived experiences as possible. And that's when we've all yelled at, well, I shouldn't assume you guys yell at your computer. Maybe I'm the only one who yells at my computer. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <but we've all laughs> no, you're not the only one. <laughs> and, and, you know, when those audio things, I mean, there is one and I don't remember who it was, but it was an audio um, capture and it just said D B. And I was like, wow, they should all do that. Yeah. But, yeah. But the other day I had one and it said, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I played it three times because I still couldn't understand what, yeah, it, was what it was. Saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's just a, that's example. just a, you know, that was a question, but it was really a clue to anybody mm-hmm. that's listening. That yeah. this is this is extremely important that we have access to the website and you can fill the whole form out, but you get to that captcha and you can't go any farther because if you can't do that captcha, it's not going to let you submit anything. Yeah, exactly. So thank you, dear. Yeah, thank you. Right now we are clear. Well. Well, I, I heard Jamaica pop off. We'll give her another try. I'll, I'll put the plug in. Um, if you guys need any help reaching out to your congressional offices um, to schedule meetings, reach out to me or Swatha. We're happy to help. Um, I used to know the switchboard number off the top of my head. I apologize. I don't remember it. But if you just Google congressional switchboard, that'll pop right up and you can call the offices directly to schedule meetings. Or of course you can do it all online now, um, whichever you prefer. Um, most of the web, <laughs> interestingly, uh, most of the websites I have found accessible. So if you just Google your representative or senator's names, they should pop up and um, there should be an, an email link to schedule meetings. Or you, again, you can find their phone numbers to call them as well. Um, but yeah, I, I love that. Um, I think it was Starry, if I'm saying your name correctly, had asked about virtual. That is very much so an option. So for some reason, you guys are saying, oh, we can't go all the way to D.C., which is we understand it's it's a lot to do. Um, you can still definitely do it virtual and they're totally willing and it's just as effective um, and they're willing to listen. So. And we have a couple of hands now. Awesome. <laughs> all right, Chris, you may go ahead. Hi, Claire. Hi. Is this going to be an area, I, I don't quite know how to say this, where we would have to define accessibility, just like back in the days when we talked about reasonable accommodations from an employer, and it's like whatever screen reader they wanted to buy for you, whether you liked that or not, it was an accommodation, you got it. I'm thinking of the companies that are using those overlays 
mm-hmm. and saying, this is what's making it accessible. Yeah. Some of them work well, some of them don't. You know, would we have to get into all of that with this as well? I don't think you're going to need to get into that nitty gritty. That, of course, the nitty gritty is going to happen when they are editing the bill and making the sausage, as they always call it. I think it'll get in the nitty gritty there, potentially. But when you're just there sharing your stories, I I wouldn't feel too concerned about that. If they want, you know, real life examples, um, WCAG 2.1 was proposed in the, the notice of proposed rulemaking I was talking about. So if they're like, give us something concrete, you can always throw them that bone if you want. But no, I wouldn't be concerned that they're going to expect you to be the the greatest expert at every definition. Again, it's just going back to the real life experience. I mean, I'm making this up, but maybe you say, you know, the local bank in your own jurisdiction, I have a bank account and I can't go on the website and check my money. You know, that's going to mm-hmm. speak speak volumes. So yeah, I wouldn't get too concerned about the real, real nitty gritty. Okay. Okay. But Thank awesome you. to think about yourself. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, Kenneth. Claire, I just wanted to bring up those uh, switchboard numbers uh, oh, just you, in case, uh, you know, I just just for, in case someone could benefit from it. When you call in the senator's office, their prefix begins with a 224. And when you call in the House member, their prefix begins with 225. So for a Senate uh, office, if you just need to, I carry these two numbers with me just in case I need them. But I found out that you can get help the operator will connect you to one of those offices on either side, whichever one you dial. But for the Senate, I would dial 202-224-3121. And for the House, I would dial 202-225-3121. So the only difference is the prefix 224 for Senate and 225 for House. That's a good way to get connected directly to an office if you just if you can't if you don't have the number for your uh, specific specific senator or uh, house member. Awesome! Thank you so much, Kenneth. That's that's why we need Kenneth. He's got the info. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And right now we're clear. Um, one other pl- I'm just going to keep putting plugs in. Um, for those of you who are coming in person, uh, we've sent out a few times over um, some of our leadership listservs and things like that. Um, but one, please keep Swatha and myself posted on meetings you're having. Um, obviously, you don't have to share with us if you don't want, but if your affiliate is willing and able, we're trying to fill any gaps. So for instance, we were talking about hitting up the committee leaders. If for some reason, for, for instance, if you're from North Carolina, but you don't have the ability to meet with Virginia Fox. Um, Swatha and I want to know that because we're going to try to fill those spots. Not that we always can, but it, you know it's a goal. Um, so if you guys can let us know who you're meeting with, that just helps us kind of look it over and see if there, we can fill in any gaps. If you're there in person and you want to be the volunteers to go to those meetings to fill in the gaps, even though it's not your own um, jurisdiction, but you're like, hey, that'd be fun. We can talk about these bills let us know. We'll plug you in if we need you. Um, we love volunteers. And then lastly, if you would like sighted guide assistance, because we get it, those buildings are big and confusing. Um, we are uh, hoping to get a good slew of volunteers, but knowing how many of you need um, sighted guide assistance would help us just so we don't show up with 50 people and only one needs it or vice versa. Um, so those are just some helpful things if you can provide us. We'd appreciate it. 
All right. I see that Jamaica's back. Not hand raised yet. Did you still want to ask your question, Jamaica? Trying to unmute to do so. Uh, if Zoom is giving you trouble, you can always go in through Clubhouse. I know you've done that once or twice. Hello. This there is, you are. This is Jamaica. My question is about the um, this legislative imperative. Does it include um, about um, medical issues in in this? Uh, in this one, or is that a totally different um, thing? Um, so I need a little bit more specifics, Jamaica. There are two other bills that have to do with medical issues. One's about Medicare coverage, and one's about uh, the accessibility of medical devices. So perhaps those were the two you're thinking of, and we are um, doing community calls. But this would, this still would cover medical websites. So say it's your doctor's website. That or, would definitely or, be covered or, or, under it. Or, or like for Medicaid, um, the Medicaid website to actually be able to access my my waiver program that I'm mm -hmm. that I'm involved with. Absolutely. The only little curveball I'm going to throw you is that the there's a difference between the Rehab Act and the ADA. So Medicaid, to my understanding, tends to be led at a state level. So that would be the Americans with Disabilities Act. So that would be this. But Section 508 of the Rehab Act already has standards for website accessibility. So if we were just talking about generic Medicare, then that's already covered. So it gets a little tricky, but it, in the most basic sense, absolutely what you're saying is right. Yep. Okay. Thank you. That's all I needed to know. Yep. Of course. No. All right, we're clear. Great. Um, well, if any questions arise after this, um, again, reach out to myself or Swatha. You can always email us at advocacy at acb.org. We hope you guys participate either in person or virtually on March 4th because we will be going over all these topics again. So if you have questions, then you can ask them. We have some great speakers. Um, coming to help us talk about these issues. So for instance, Sarah Malaire, who's from the American Foundation for the Blind, she's going to talk about this um, topic with us because AFB has been a big um, helper in, in moving this, this legislation forward. Um, so if we hope you guys enjoy those speakers. You can ask your questions then. Um, the imperative summaries are online. You can go find them now. We'll have a one pager with all of them that you'll be able to pass out to your Congress members um, the day of. And if you do it virtually, we have that electronically as well. So you can email them to it, email it to them. Um, and just thank you so much. I hope what we said is clear. If you have any follow up questions, do not hesitate to reach out.